Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. I'm Josh Miles. I'm a designer, brand strategist, and principal at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Today on Obsessed with Design, I catch up with Chase Tuberville from Focus Lab in Savannah, Georgia. Chase and I talk art school origins, grunge music, and his favorite things to do in the design realm today. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Chase Tuberville. All right, guys, today I'm excited to welcome all the way from Savannah, Georgia, brand designer at Focus Lab, Chase Tuberville. According to their website, and this is from Bill Kinney, the co-founder of Focus Lab, which I really like this quote, we build thoughtful identities and experiences to elevate and empower organizations. So I'm excited, Chase, today to talk a little bit about your design background uh, as a brand designer at Focus Lab and a little bit about what's going on at Focus Lab. So welcome to Obsessed with Design. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me on. So actually, I follow you guys uh, and your sidecar brand as well on some of the various social medias, which we will... Um, dig into that here in a second. But to begin, um, I always like starting off with learning a little bit about people's backgrounds. And maybe you could tell me a little bit about your personal origin story as a brand designer. Oh, man. Um, would you like the the long version or the short version or because we can we can go deep here if you let's want go to. deep let's go, let's deep. go deep. OK, let's do this. Um, so I grew up in southern Alabama. Um, very small town called Fairhope. It's a beautiful place. Um, and back then in middle school, uh, I used to draw type a lot in class. Um, I used to draw actually the same type uh, for every band that I liked at the time. Um, so it was like MXPX or something like that. I would draw MXPX in the same exact type as another band. And so I created like kind of my own font on my notebooks. And I think that's kind of uh, where it started, like my love affair for music and typography. And of course, in middle school, um, typical story, started a band and did artwork for that band. Uh, we were called Swindle King, um, by the way. It's <laughs> a great name. Yeah, we used to we used to cover uh, like Smashing Pumpkins and Oasis and, you know, all that, all that 90s stuff. All the grungy goodness. Yeah, that's right. And so we used to make flyers for the show. And uh, back then, I don't know if you remember, but there were CK1 ads for Calvin Klein fragrance that had like a mm -hmm. small C and then a large K. And they were kind of attached together. And so our initials were SK for Swindle King. And I thought it'd be cool, of course, to um, like replicate that and put that on our show flyers for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. But that's kind of where my love uh, of graphic designs started. Um, and I used to hang out uh, in eighth grade science class with my buddy. Uh, we used to come up with uh, music, flash music players, mm -hmm. which back in the day were very elementary and ours looked awful. But it was that collaboration that I really liked. Um, so I started doing that. And then through high school, uh, I fortunately uh, went to a high school um, that was very concentrated on arts if you wanted to be. We had everything from like filmmaking, sculpture, uh, mixed media, drawing and comp, 
um, all that kind of stuff. And I had the most badass art teacher, uh, Miss Felicia Olds, and uh, she used to actually play REM tapes in our class. Like she was from Athens and she used to play REM like basement tapes during class. Mm. And um, so she just she sort of fostered my love for art um, and I loved doing that type of stuff. And so she actually, at my request, brought in SCAD to actually talk to the school, talk to our high school about uh, joining the art program in Savannah. So I uh, ended up applying to uh, a couple different schools, uh, ended up getting into SCAD. And uh, that's what led me to Savannah. I was a terrible art student, um, procrastinator <laughs> to the hundredth degree. Um, did everything last minute, stayed up late, um, doing all my projects. My professors would used to like smell the smell the glue, like the cement glue, and be like, oh, you just finished this, didn't you? And I'd be like, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> and that's how all my projects sort of, sort of ended up in school. Um, but then I sort of got my stuff together. Um, and about three months after I graduated, I got my first sort of job offer in Columbus, Georgia, at a camouflage company called Realtree. And that was a really great experience. I was part of an in-house design team. We worked on all the collateral, all the branding, uh, the website, um, all the stuff that related to Realtree. And while I never thought I would ever be working for a company like that, it turned into uh, a great experience and a great first impression company uh, because the the company was very um, accommodating to their employees. It felt like family to be there. Uh, and if you know Mike Jones from Creative South, he's from Columbus, Georgia. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like that mentality, like, come here, give me a hug, hug the neck, and, and yeah. you're part of the family now. And Realtree's um, been big supporters of Creative South over the years, too, yep, right? That's exactly right. Um, yeah, the little antler logo uh, for Realtree, I actually worked on that while I was there. And that was created for something else. And then after I left, I guess they adopted it for the the main mark for the company, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. But um, but so so in '09, um, my wife and I worked at Realtree. Uh, we had met at SCAD, and um, we decided to get married. Uh, and this was probably about '09, and we moved to her hometown of Ocracoke, North Carolina. Uh, just for the the summertime to get married on Ocracoke and also to sort of save up some money, um, live in her parents' house there. I worked for a a small print shop that did menus uh, for restaurants on the island. Um, Miss Valerie Mason, she was awesome. Um, She kind of let me do my own thing. Uh, I would design the menus, cut them out, deliver them to the restaurants and did that for probably about five months and then uh, applied for the internship at Hatch Show Print in Nashville, Tennessee, which I got. And to this day, probably the best three months of my life, just learning the history of that shop, being able to use the typography in the shop um, and learning from Jim Sheradden and uh, Brad Vetter, who was my mentor there. Um, just an overall great experience. I ended up meeting, um, I don't know if you know, uh, Eric Mortensen, I hate to name drop it. I, yeah. I just want to give credit for these people that have influenced kind of my design and Tim Hoover who wrote, uh, Kern and Burn. They were all part of, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, he wrote it with Jessica. I'm going to butcher her last name, so I'm not going to say Heitzel. I think maybe that's her name. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, anyway. Um, Actually, so the first the, uh, Creative South that I attended, they were presenting and talking about their book there, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, those super talented people and definitely was a turning point in my design career. I just learned, like to be around that type of talent. Um, it really just elevates your game even more. Um, so I attribute a lot of where I sort of went after that, as far as my design career, um, how I progressed, uh, to those guys at hatch, um, my intern, my fellow interns and, uh, the people that taught me there. And if you are, if you are young and looking to do an unpaid internship anywhere, uh, I would highly recommend hatch show print. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah, those guys are pretty pretty awesome. You know, I want to go back to one little detail that I that I feel like I'm just my mind can't leave. Is, yeah, yeah. Is um, tell me at least that after you guys met at Realtree, that like the bridesmaids' dresses were camo. Oh, for, oh man, they wrapped. They used to wrap. Oh no, ours were not. If you're talking about ours, no, <laughs> yes. no, 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 no. <laughs> but they, I'm sure no, they. No, had no. Uh, my wife would not have that. I I would totally be down for that. Um, but no, the wife would not be. <laughs> but you'd be surprised actually at the products that get dipped in camouflage. What people oh, request yeah. to get dipped in camouflage. Uh, toilet seat covers, um, prosthetic limbs, uh, lots of different stuff. But uh, yeah, it's super interesting. So uh, continuing on the, with the long story. Um, so from there, from there, it was sort of, so my wife and I, when we were in Ocracoke, we decided we were like, you know, while we're young, before we have kids, what's like the one thing that we want to do with our professional career? And of course, mine was hatched. So that's why we sort of did that. And then and then after that was over, I was like, so what what do you want to do? And, and she's a freelance food photographer. Um, so she was like, I want to I want to intern at Time Inc uh, and work for Cooking Light magazine. So we headed to uh, Birmingham, Alabama uh, after our time at Hatch and worked for Time Inc there. And I actually ended up getting a job with Cooking Light magazine uh, and ended up being a designer uh, for that publication for about a year and a half, which was really interesting work. Um, I had never worked for any sort of publication and never want to work in InDesign that much ever again. <laughs> um, so for those out there that don't like InDesign, don't get into publication design. And then from uh, from there... Uh, moved on to an ad agency in um, Hilton Head Island or Bluffton, South Carolina. That's what brought my wife and I back to Savannah, actually. Um, so I was a senior art director at an ad agency uh, for a little bit. And then um, while I was at BFG, I kind of got in a creative rut of uh, doing kind of the same stuff over and over again. And uh, and I started to look at, at Dribble and noticing all of the talent that was in this city. Um, Zachary Smith, Matthew Smith, Sam Stratton, Matt Yao, um, all those guys were here. And I was just like, wow, we're, we're all living here. We should like totally get together, have a beer, at least like talk design or BS, whatever, you mm -hmm. know. And so I forget how exactly it happened, but I think I might have hit up Matthew and Zach on Instagram and just said, Hey, what, what if we start like a type club or design club or something like that? And we meet at the local 
you know, coffee shop and just, and just talk. And, um, and so we, we started doing that, which is really awesome getting to know those guys. And, uh, from that met Sam Stratton, um, who is a focus lab alum. And Sam was like, Hey man, we're, um, we're actually looking for somebody right now. So, um, I'm going to set you up with a call with Bill and you guys can just talk. And, uh, so I ended up Skyping with Bill one day while he was at a playground with his son. And, uh, we talked for like 30 minutes and at the end of it, he was like, we'd love for you to come on board. So I was like, I am totally down and nice. have been here since July, 2015 and just absolutely love it. Um, I'm so much closer to my family now. When I was at BFG, it was 45 minute commute each way. And I've got two kids. So that was an hour and a half away from them a day. Um, unnecessary in my opinion. So I was like, I got to change this situation. And, and, um, so working at focus hub has been great. Like to work every day, get to see the family more. Um, so I get to sort of balance this design life that, that I love and also my family that I love tremendously. So, well, maybe for some of us who are, um, some of the listeners who are less aware, can you tell us a little bit about, um, focus lab and kind of your setup there and size and, um, kind of how the company's structured? Yeah. So we're actually a pretty small shop. I would say, I think we have like 17 people now. Uh, JT just joined our team. I like to call JT's last name Gray UK, even though that's not correct. Um, JT just joined our team, making it 17 or possibly 18. Um, and in Savannah, in our office, uh, we've got two separate offices that we call Lab One and Lab Two. Uh, lab One is dedicated for more um, photography for like Alicia and uh, Will Kesseling to come in and sort of do their thing. It's got a kitchen in it. Uh, we do some meetings in there. And then on the other side, uh, we call Lab Two. Um, that's where we all sit in sort of an open desk format. And we've got John Oates and myself. We are the brand designers on the team. Uh, we've got Summer uh, Teal Simpson, and she is the brand strategist. And then we also have some uh, remote peeps that we've got working um, for us at Focus Lab. We are represented all the way across the country. Uh, JT is coming in from Moscow, Idaho. Um, we've got Andy Fott. He's coming in from Fort Wayne, um, which you probably, I don't know if that's close to you or, or not. Yeah, I just drove past there uh, on Friday. So basically, um, so we are a, a branding UI uh, creative shop here in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, we lead with a lot of branding on our site, but uh, we also have a great um, UI UX team. Uh, and we're trying to showcase that work a little bit more. We love the work that uh, Joshua, uh, Joshua Crone and uh, Alex Saylor, and now actually John Oates is uh, getting into um, working on the UI side. So... Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's a, that I'm leaving out a lot of people. We've got, uh, the two founders, Eric Regan, uh, he works in Savannah and then Bill Kinney is actually up in New Jersey, um, acting as a creative director up there. And just, uh, from, from my perspective, uh, Bill has not only been like a great, uh, design mentor, he's also helped me in sort of communicating with clients, which I'm not the best at, uh, and ways to handle sort of those crucial conversations. Uh, Bill has been great at sort of 
guiding guiding me through that, um, which I'm super thankful for. Well, maybe as a as a segue, you guys have a pretty impressive client list on your website from Envision to Oakley and Adobe. I know you had mentioned to me at the top of the show before we started recording about 500 PX, but maybe you could talk to me a little bit about just from your perspective, what do you think makes for a great client and where those clients come from? What makes a great client? Um, I think what makes a great client is someone who is willing to be part of a team. Uh, I think there's a lot of give and take um, with the line of work that we're in being able to compromise it. I relate it a lot to a marriage. Um, sometimes, uh, you want to, you want to fight for those little battles. Uh, and then sometimes you've got to let them go and actually, actually listen, uh, to what the client is saying. Cause I know sometimes we, we sort of have that perspective that we, we know everything about design and you're, you're coming in, you don't, you don't really know anything, but uh, I think what we don't understand sometimes is they're coming in with a fresh perspective, another perspective um, that we should be mindful of. And so, yeah, I, th- I think I think a great client is all about um, is all about give and take. It's all about creating that that great relationship. Are there any um, red flags in particular that you guys watch out for? You know, at the beginning of a relationship to decide if you're gonna work together or not things that, that stick out as like, uh Oh, <laughs> I would say just personally, um, I say when a client comes through and says, you know, we have to have this particular element within our brand system that sort of sends up a red flag for me. Um, I think we've had uh, a couple clients come in and say, you know, we, we must definitely need a mark for this particular project. And, um, What's funny is like not, not every brand needs that. Um, and I think Mm -hmm. coming in, uh, being able to compromise on something like that, um, it's tough to do because they're coming in so headstrong with that idea of what they need for the brand, uh, without even sort of researching, digging into, uh, to any of the competitors or anything like that. Um, that sends up a little bit of a red flag for me personally. What are maybe some of your personal favorite things to work on? Um, you know, what, what kinds of projects or clients or elements do you find yourself most getting into the groove on? Uh, anything where I get to, to letter a logo type, uh, that's sort of my wheelhouse. It's what I love to do. It's what I'm inspired by. Um, and I've been able to accomplish that with a few of the clients that we've had here, uh, which is always great. It never feels like work. And when it aligns with the brand strategy, it's like, oh man, let me just dig my claws into this because um, it's it's what I love to do. I love the problem solving uh, around the way letters work with each other. Um, and that's just the fun part for me. And uh, well, maybe we could dig in a little bit about some of the specifics on your work with 500px. Sure. So that was actually one of the first projects um, that I had working with focus lab. So it was, it was a little intimidating coming into focus lab just because of the name. Every, everybody knows them and sort of, we, I mean, I kind of call it the pressure cooker coming in and, you know, living up to that focus lab standard of, of the work you're creating. Um, so it was definitely a stressful project for me, but what made it so awesome was, uh, 500 PX was such a great client. 
they came in, they were really receptive. They gave great feedback. Uh, and we ended up with, I think, something really unique, even though it was sort of polar, it was sort of polarizing for people that had known the 500px brand. But it, and it was also interesting from a perspective that I had I had never worked on a project that had been so publicly uh, scrutinized. I guess I had never been part of like a a, a brand new critique, like from mm. Armin and those guys <laughs> nice. at Brand New. Like I had never been through something like that before. Um, and everybody sort of tried to prepare me for that, but it was uh, it was definitely interesting to have the work that we had done, um, be critiqued so openly, which, I mean, that's, that's the life we, we chose. I mean, I, I went to SCAD, we had, we had open critiques all the time and I have pretty thick skin, but, um, it was pretty intense, I will say. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about, um, your work with service brewing. So service, they're a, they're a great local client. Um, and it is run, um, purely from veterans that have worked in some branch of the military. Um, everyone from who brews the beer uh, to who um, usually who serves the beer is usually a veteran. And um, a lot of the money and proceeds from the beer go to uh, veteran causes. And so when they came to us uh, with their um, their seasonal cans, they wanted those to be redesigned. They had already had their uh, their full their full year lineup was already set in stone, but they wanted something a little bit different uh, for their seasonal cans. So we have about we have five, four or five coming out. If you include this one, that's banana beer, which we'll get into, I guess. Um, <laughs> but the first, the first one that was released was, uh, Lincoln's gift oyster stout, which does not sound very appetizing. Um, but it's actually a pretty good beer. Um, and the story behind, uh, Lincoln's gift is, uh, general Sherman, when he was down in Savannah, uh, he was about to conquer the city and he thought it was so beautiful uh, that he decided not to burn it. So how nice of him. And so he gave it as a gift uh, to President Lincoln. And that's the name behind the stout. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. Um, yeah. These, uh, a lot of these cans are, are rich with sort of this old historical storytelling, which is really cool. And it lends itself to some really, really nice visuals. Uh, so for Lincoln's gift, we actually, we wanted to play off of his signature uh, and the water because of the the oyster ingredient. So we got this sort of eyedropper with India ink in it to uh, to draw to draw Lincoln's gift and a couple of the visual elements that are also on the can. Um, and then there was uh, Old Guard was the next release, and it was it celebrates the the first woman to be inducted into the Old Guard, um, which is a faction of the military that looks after the tomb of the uh, unknown soldier. Hmm. She is uh, one of the first females. She was inducted in 1996, uh, and they were very implicit that her that her image be on it. Um, so we wanted to uh, play off of currency uh, was the sort of the theme for that one. So a lot of the typography was uh, inspired by currency type, and then the illustration of her, which was done by John Oates, uh, which is really awesome. Uh, was inspired by those old etchings of like George Washington um, on the dollar bill, which at first glance look very easy to accomplish. It's one of the hardest techniques. I watched John go iteration after iteration on that, and they finally nailed it. But um, it is it is a very hard process. 
to recreate that sort of etching drawing style. And then the one that was just released, um, well, actually, it's not released yet, uh, but we got some samples of it, was uh, Gun Bunny. Uh, it's a wit beer. Uh, it has tangelo and mandolin orange and coriander seed. Uh, and it's based off of the men and women that would re- load and reload um, the artillery shells. So they were super fast. And we wanted to play off of uh, old vintage black cat firework packaging. So we've got this crazy bunny face that, again, John did the mm-hmm. illustration for. And um, we put some of the shells on there with some handwritten elements and then chose to do these sort of burst visuals behind the, the orange peel and some of the orange slices that are on the uh, top of the can. And then we've got one more to come, which is an Oktoberfest. And we'll, I guess we'll save that one for whenever it's released. But that's a, that's a really fun one. I feel like maybe maybe even second to designing beer cans, the, uh, <laughs> the other, uh, designer goal is often, uh, being able to successfully launch your side, side product or side business. I mean, I've heard so many agencies, myself included, talk about how cool it would be to launch your own line of products. And, and you guys have, have actually pulled this off with sidecar. So maybe just so for people who are not familiar with what sidecar is and what you guys offer, can you, give us a little background on sidecar yeah so um sidecar started we're coming up on our second birthday um and so it was a place that we could make assets for designers and they're actually made by all the members here uh, at focus lab and really we just wanted to to sort of help designers in education like how we've got some branding showcase templates on there uh, which sort of educate people on how to present to clients Um, so you can, so you can download these assets, learn, uh, from us, like how we, cause these are, these are like actual products that we use at focus lab every single week with our clients. Um, and some of those, those branding templates, templates, uh, are some of the best resources for just learning, uh, basically how to show your work, show the work behind the work, because I think a lot of times, uh, designers may just show that, that last, part of the process might just show that logo or show that logo type, uh, show that mark and they don't show the work that goes behind. And that's very important, uh, to show a client, um, cause it's very easy for them to critique something when they've only seen one perspective of it. They've only seen one view of it, but when they see the work that actually goes into this stuff, it just, uh, the value of that is through the roof. So we just wanted to sort of give back to the design community and sort of educate them, uh, with that sort of thing. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Um, what do you see as, you know, if I'm digging in too far, you can let me know, but as far (laughs) as your client for sidecar, is that more often like solo practitioners or do you see big, big firms who are downloading that stuff or do you see more students or, you know, what, what's kind of the range? It's, it's all the above. Um, we've seen all sorts, uh, download, download these assets. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a great thing that, that shows that, um, we're providing for a large spectrum that a lot of people sort of need these assets or, or need this sort of information, uh, which is great. Um, and it sort of validates the work that we're doing when we see a big name come across there. We're like, wow, like we were, we respect like these people and they're downloading something that we made like pats on the back for sure. That's super cool. Chase, maybe you could switch gears a little bit and tell us about 
one of your proudest professional moments as a designer? Oh man, that is tough. When my son was uh, born, that was quite, if anybody has kids out there, you know that uh, from zero to one kids is a very huge transition. (laughs) (laughs) Some might even say a little jarring. (laughs) Jarring. Yes, that's the right word. And um, at that time, uh, I was was getting no sleep whatsoever for the first uh, 11 months or so. Uh, But I will say that during that time, for some unknown reason, I don't know what happened, but I was at probably my most creative that I've ever been. I just, I, I was just spitting out more ideas than I, than I ever have. And whether or not I was like following through with those ideas or concepts is beside the point. But, um, there was one in particular, a series that I did for my son. It was, uh, I ended up calling it, I think peel and eat prints. It was uh, prints based on words that he was learning at the time. Mm. And so I had a, I had a bird, I had a boat, uh, and shrimp was a little bit of a stretch there, but I had to make <laughs> a trip, a triptych. <laughs> um, and so I made these prints, uh, for him and got them printed at mama sauce, got them screen printed and just, just super proud of those just because it was something that he could look at the wall and recognize what it was. And I was validated in like the work that I was doing for him. I don't know. It felt like it was helping him in some way with his vocabulary, but also that, that I could make something for him. Um, so that was, that was super special for me when I got those in. That's super cool. What about, um, kind of as you were getting started, I know you, you mentioned a few other people, are there, are there still, um, any design heroes that you have or guys that you, you look up to? Oh man. Yeah. Uh, the list is, the list is really long. It's stretched. I mean, her blue Allen, that's like probably my probably my first love just his typographic solutions they're, mm-hmm. they're just bonkers uh out of this world good especially for the time um more modern guys i would say eric marinovich i'm sure his name comes up a lot just because he's able to transition styles so seamlessly it seems like it seems like it seems effortless mm-hmm. um Matt Chase, I really love his conceptual work uh, that he does for publications, like almost that collage illustration style that he does. Really love his stuff. James T. Edmondson um, of Oh No Type Foundry. Love his stuff. Uh, I just bought Wolf Mono the other day, and just the italics are crazy. Um, <laughs> Elmer Stefan is another one love his work, just typographer, type designer. And then I've got local heroes here. I mean, you know, you know, Matthew Smith, Zachary Smith, Matt Yao, Sam. I mean, those guys are super talented dudes. Um, and every time I meet up with them, talk with them, um, they're just, they're putting out fire right now. I mean, it's, it's insane. The, the talent that we have in this town. What would you say, what would you say you're most obsessed with right now? what I'm most obsessed with. I'm most obsessed with making the funkiest letters that I can. Like almost if you've ever looked at Elmer Stefan stuff, it's pretty out there. He pushes legibility like to the breaking point almost. And I love, I love doing that with letters, just how seeing how far you can push it. It's, 
I compare it to like, and people are probably going to hate this comparison, but I'm going to compare it to like Kanye West's Jesus album, um, <laughs> where it's like almost the music is almost unpalatable, you know, like it's so grating. Um, I compare that to the legibility of the type, but there's something in there that you can pull from and work with. Um, just, I was talking about this with Will Kess the other day, the song on site, like I can't, the first track on Jesus, I can hardly listen to that song, but there's something about it that draws me in. Uh, and I like that about <laughs> Elmer Stefan's type where it's like, I almost can't read this, but there's something that I love about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's something about, um, the reward that you feel when you, when there's something like that, that you feel like you had to decode it a little bit and then you figure it out almost like when you see the, the signature of a graffiti guy's tag and you, you're like, oh, exactly. what in the world is that? Oh, it says whatever, <laughs> you know, you, you feel this sense of accomplishment when you break through the code. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, we have a focus lab has a volleyball team. We play every Sunday here at Forsyth park and we actually enlisted, uh, the Lord of logos. You familiar? Um, I forget, I forget his last name. It's Christopher, something again i'm gonna butcher it so i'm not even gonna say it um but he made the logo type for our volleyball team and it is it's almost it's pretty much unlegible my son the other day was reading the back of my shirt and he was like that's an o that's an o that's an o that's an o and he just could not distinguish like what letter forms they were um but that was sort of the art direction for him it was like make this as illegible and make it as metal looking like metal music oh yeah so yeah, I love that. When when people when you get it, you're like, oh wow, that's incredible that that those make letter forms, but it's beautiful nonetheless. So maybe the answer is to create a, a metal logo, but I'm curious if you have any dream <laughs> projects that you want to work on in the future. Oh man. Um I would love to work on some sort of coffee brand. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with coffee. I have to have my coffee fix every day. Um I would love to work on something like that. I saw something pass through Dribble the other day that uh, Jay Fletcher had done for caviar and bananas and the coffee packaging on there was just like blew me away. I just wanted to print it out on the printer and just like sticky note it to the the monitor. They were just beautiful. <laughs> uh, so coffee, I would say coffee, coffee packaging, coffee company for those out there that brew roast coffee. I'm here for you. <laughs> there, um, you there you go, internet. You have one job. <laughs> Send Chase some coffee work. Um, yes, please. You know, you, you mentioned uh, dribble a couple of times. Um, and, you know, we, we see lots of trends kind of catch fire quickly there and then fade out occasionally. Um, but I'm curious if there's anything today, and it doesn't have to be on dribble, but if there's anything that just kind of drives you nuts uh, in the design world that's happening right now. I would say first and foremost, uh, like the people being negative and like calling other people out in whatever fashion that may be like the sort of public shaming. Um, don't dig that at all. I don't know. It's just not, just doesn't seem like the, like if I feel like if you have a problem with somebody's work, that should possibly be a one-on-one -on -one conversation to have possibly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I've seen some of those catch fire and it just doesn't seem to progress very much. So I just don't know what the point is really. Um, so yeah, I would say that I would say like the sort of public shaming of, of somebody's work. So maybe if you were, um, if you didn't have the option of either being a designer or maybe playing in a grunge cover band, <laughs> what else do you think you'd be doing? Uh, man, I don't know. Full-time dad. I mean, that sounds fine to me. I mean, yeah, it sounds pretty good. Yeah. I, I love hanging out with my kids and my wife's work is beautiful. Let her, let her sort of run with that. Um, I'm down at, at this point though. It, it when I, I, we just had another kid and he's five months old, so it's kind of a tough age. So I might lose my mind after a month or so, <laughs> um, of being there all day. But, um, as he gets older, that would, I mean, just hanging out with two little boys all day, golly, I, we would just, we would just crash every night. We go to bed at six o'clock cause we'd be doing so much. That sounds pretty awesome. My, uh, our littlest one just turned five and I, I got a pretty great oh. hug from him this morning and it's still, still getting me through the day. It's the best man. It's the best. Um, I think my wife said it, she posted something on Instagram on my son's, my youngest son's first birthday said, um, hardest year of my life, best year of my life. And that's about the truth. That's a good, uh, segue maybe, um, as far as great things or great memories or great quotes. Um, what, what's a piece of advice that you feel like either was, was one of the best pieces that you've ever received, or maybe one of your favorite pieces of advice to pass along? Um, something that I tell, um, all young designers when I meet them is earlier in your career, go do something that you've always wanted to do, like save up, do whatever you have to do to go do that. Just do it. Because to this day, the best thing that I ever took was an unpaid internship at Hat Show Print for three months. My, my resume from that point on, nobody cared about anything else that was on that resume except for that hat show print, three-month mm -hmm. hat show mm -hmm. print stint. Um, so I would say while you're young, go – if there's something that you've always wanted to do, find a way to go do it for however long that may be. Yeah, that is a fantastic piece of advice. What do you feel like you, or besides the, the resume piece of that, what do you think is the most valuable thing that you took away from Hatch? Gosh, just knowing, first off, just the history that is there. Um, it was just beautiful to be around every day, like the patina of the type being there every day, having access to touch that and like, look at it. It's like amazing. I think the thing, the, the thing that I most learned was probably from, from Tim and Eric, just watching them work, watching them design, um, was just something that stuck with me. Like something as simple as type hierarchy. I used to watch Eric just sketch on pieces of paper or the way he would design a poster, uh, with the type. Um, it was just such simple nuances within the way he designed that something just clicked for me. I was just like, Oh wow. Like it, that, that just seems like an easy way to do that. Um, that just stuck with me. And that's why 
I attribute like that. That was definitely a turning point for me. Um, just seeing the way that those guys worked. Okay. Bonus question before I let you go. Okay. If you could perform with any grunge band living or deceased, (laughs) (laughs) what would be your first choice? Grunge band? Uh, man, I'd have to say guided by voices. Robert Pollard is probably a maniac on stage. And that would probably just be fun to be a part of. <laughs> um, so that's, that's, that answer will change like in 30 minutes, but that's the answer I'll give right now. Well, if you'd like to give us a write in, I will uh, be sure to amend uh, Twitter and the show notes with that uh, updated answer. Yes. I have to give you credit. I was listening to some of the shows uh, prior to coming on here. And, um, you talked about song exploder in one of the episodes oh, yeah. and I can't, I just started yesterday. I listened to the, uh, the tune yards episode blew mm, my mind. I like that one a lot. That was just wild. How she sort of built that song the, from concept to, to the actual song just blew me away. I feel like I can get that song immediately stuck in my head. Just thinking about that episode. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I can't recommend enough as a designer going to check out the podcast song exploder. I mean, it's just awesome to hear the process and, you know, so many of the songs are kind of walking through the layers and have lots of electronic bits, but then there are also really normal singer songwriter kind of four piece band stuff in there too. And, um, even like the, one of the recent Nora Jones episodes is, is really interesting. Oh, awesome. I'm gonna check it out. For sure. Cool. Well, Chase, I, I'm going to have to let you go so we can both go listen to Song Exploder yeah. instead of this show. <laughs> um, but um, Maybe before we let you go, um, tell us a little bit about where everybody can track down you and or Focus Lab and Sidecar on the interwebs. Um, so you can go check out Focus Lab at focuslabllc.com. Uh, I do not currently have a personal website, but you can always check out my dribble or my Instagram. Uh, it's Instagram Laren chase and then dribble slash Laren chase and then sidecar. You can go to made by sidecar.com and check them out. Excellent. Well, Chase, it's been a blast chatting with you and, uh, thank you for joining us today and thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, guys, that is episode number 68 in the books. For all of today's show notes, please head over to obsessedshow.com. While you're at it, head over to iTunes to give us a rating and review to help other people find the show. You can tweet at Josh Miles or at Obsessed Show and let us know who you think you'd like to hear us interview next. Today's intro music is Matchbox Girl by Cassie Joe, and we are always edited by the talented Gen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.